0: The government retreats are great. I hope some of you are taking advantage of it. I get up at 3.30 in the morning and do the live session, but they also have the recordings, recorded session sometime in the late afternoon, I think. I don't have it in front of me right now, but they're just fantastic. Uh, this is this was the first full day. Yesterday was the introduction, um, and today was the first full day. It was wonderful. Uh, Jagatrinimachi spoke so nicely on the Ghat and the, the tree at got and Burijan Prabhu's, uh, he's, he's doing, uh, his kata is on, um, a Sudama Brahmana. And. Oops, let me, Oh, you're, you're, you're letting these people in, right? Yeah. So, um, Burijan is on the, his kata is on the Sudama Brahmana. And, uh, Sachinandan Swami is on, uh, Govardhan Lila. And, uh, present day um, uh, practical instructions for us through the Govardhan Leela and it's, it's fantastic and they're doing such a good job uh, you really feel like you're in Vrindavan so anyway I, I, what I, what I, the reason I was bringing it up though is Puritan Prabhu said something today that um, kind of scared me on one level <laughs> considering um, my qualification for being the, the uh, your servant in, the, in this Bhagavatam study but he said that the Bhagavatam is unlimited. And you know, he was going through each word of uh of the verses about Suddhama Brahmana. And you know, here we're just kind of going go through things. Um and I, you know, my limited realization doesn't help any um in that. But but when he said that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, he said he said the Bhagavatam is just unlimited in the different ways you can appreciate it and understand the nuances. And sometimes I fear we're not, uh, anyway, this is our overview. Otherwise, if we went through each verse, um, in that level, we would be going on for, uh, (laughs) how, I don't know how long is this, this has taken us about five years. is that right? Yeah. And we're almost done by the way, right? A few more weeks and we'll have finished the Bhakti Vaibhava. Um, but, uh. Yeah, anyway, it was, you know, I, I was just comparing my level of realization to Burijampu's level, levels, and I was saying, oh, geez, why, what am I doing, pretending to teach the Bhagavatam? But, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> and at least we're reading Prabhupada's versus uh, Prabhupada's, uh, the Bhaktivinata purports, and we're hearing, we're talking about Krishna, so it's all good, ultimately. Um And I'm trying to repeat some things that I've heard from him and others, and of course from Srila Prabhupada. So we are on verse 20 of the 15th chapter of the sixth canto. The saints, Narda and Angira, instruct King Chitraketu. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate bhagavate Vasudevaya. Also, I t- <laughs> this, talk about being in Maya. So I'll give you a, pl- a plug. I gave a uh, presentation yesterday also on um, how to develop good Krishna conscious habits for the new year. So that recording is on the internet. But I felt very good today because I got a Text message from uh, His Holiness Ramapad Swami asking me for the link. So I said, "Well, that's that's nice. If Maharaj wants to hear, I hope I hope there was something in there that he'll find uh, valuable." Okay, uh, so let us begin.
1: So who's speaking?
0: It's Angira, right? And he says, "When I first came to your home, I could have given you the supreme transcendental knowledge, but when I saw that your mind was absorbed in material things." I gave you only a son who caused you jubilation and lamentation. So, right, it, I thought that was, it's an, you know, sometimes we, we, have sharing Krishna consciousness with others takes realization and it takes, you know, I, I, I was almost going to say experimentation because we're not exactly sure what's going to work to help this person and what's going to work to help that person. Uh, we 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 depend on Krishna. We pray to him and we do our best. So some of us are a little bit more very direct all the time. You know, you're, you know, uh, you're, you're going to birth, death, disease, and old age. You're a total nonsense and, you know, get your act together. You know, I'm trying to help you because you're just about to fly off a cliff of wasting your human form of life. And others will say, you know, okay, so how are you, know, how are you doing? What's, what are your interests in life? And, oh, that's interesting. You can connect those with Krishna. So here, Angira, we're going to find out more about this in the next chapter. Angira, you know, took a, not a, you wouldn't, you couldn't say it was indirect, but he didn't immediately do that. He benedicted him with a son who would be a great source of happiness and distress. Um And then, then later, of course, it, it was, it. we could see how it was the most powerful sharing of Krishna consciousness, you could say, by putting him through almost an experiential um uh, process and it and it, it, it's i like that because experience or you know uh, experiential krishna consciousness is what really convinces us you know even the philosophy when we apply the philosophy that's when it really touches our heart or well, for me it was mainly tasting pakoras and samosas and you have to understand the 1970s those things right henry No, know who, who knew about those things <laughs> You know,
2: we had you know,
0: Chinese food. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah, Chinese food was considered... That was it.
2: That was about it. Yeah.
0: yeah, that was considered really avant-garde, right? And Indian food, you know, remember the, the diaspora, especially the, the, in, in America, didn't take place so much in the 70s. You know, the, the, um, the uh, visa rules were not liberalized until later and so you know no one you know indian maybe i didn't i had never been to an indian restaurant i've been to chinese restaurants when i was a kid but never you know so so it was like wow and for me that was i think that's what convinced me more than you know they hino yata day hey you know the Bhagavad Gita was pakoras <laughs> you know, what to speak about pakoras okay they weren't so cool because you know, uh, tempura was a little like a pakora, but but samosas and gulab jamans and jalebis, goranga <laughs> potatoes. So my point is, we experience Krishna consciousness, and that's what really. Uh, so here, I just thought this is amazing that so this is you know he knows he knew what he was doing right. Angira, you know, knew I could have given you direct preaching, but when I saw where you were at, basically I'm paraphrasing, I, I gave you a son. So now 22 and 23, my dear king, now you are actually experiencing the misery of a person who has sons and daughters. O king, owner of the state of Surasena, one's wife, his house, the opulence of his kingdom, and his various other opulences and objects of sense perception are all the same in that they are temporary. One's kingdom, military power, treasury, servants, ministers, friends, and relatives are all causes of fear illusion, lamentation, and distress. They are like a Gandharva Nagara, a non-existent palace that one imagines to exist in the forest. Because they are impermanent, they are no better than illusions, dreams, and mental concoctions. And, of course, we uh, we understand, and we've talked about this so many times, that this is a difference between Mayavad philosophy and Vaishnava philosophy, is that we don't say things are unreal, We say that they're impermanent. And in that sense, they're not real because they're not lasting. These visible objects like wife, children, and property are like dreams and mental concoctions. Actually, so you could say, well, dreams and mental concoctions, well, that sounds like illusory, but they're dreams and mental concoctions because of their temporary nature. And that's said in the next sentence. Actually, what we see has no permanent existence. It is sometimes seen and sometimes not. Only because of our past actions do we create such mental concoctions and because of these concoctions we perform further activities. So Now he's giving him the straight gyana style preaching. The living entity in the bodily conception of life is absorbed in the body, which is a combination of physical elements, the five senses for gathering knowledge, and the five senses of action along with the mind. Through the mind, the living entity suffers three kinds of tribulations, atipotika, atitaivika, and atiatmika. Therefore, this body is a source of all miseries. And I said I was going to talk about this purport, right? Yes. Um, so weird, here it is the fact is, Prabhupada writes in the second paragraph. The fact is that the living entity, while concocting with the mind, creates the material condition, because matter is destructible. Through the material condition, the living entity suffers, because even if he gets something that's very enjoyable, it, we lose it because of its temporary nature. At least at the time of death, if not earlier. Otherwise, the living entity is detached from all material conditions. When one comes to the Brahman, the spiritual platform, the platform of spiritual life, fully understanding that he is a spirit soul, a brahmasmi, he is no longer affected by lamentation or hankering. So um, it's it's a mental concoction. What a powerful statement. Hmm. But it is our reality unless we work really hard to experience another reality. It's such an end and Sachinandan so We was talking about this today at the Govardhan Retreat, that it takes determination and it takes a plan to get us absorbed in the actual reality. Hmm? Uh, the reality is, of course, our reality is through bhakti, we, and we, we we attain that reality by practicing bhakti, and therefore, Prabhupada is, uh, oh, not not in this verse, but the, the verse Atashri Krishna nama na swayam eva that one can't understand Krishna with our material senses. Um, we have to spiritualize them uh, by service, which begins by chanting and hearing about Krishna. We don't actually chant Krishna's name with a material tongue; we chant it with, uh, with our, with a, as our spiritual senses start awakening. So the way that Maharaj was saying it so nicely in class today, we, you know, we make a plan to find the time in our day he brought it down to a very practical level that you know how are you going to get up early to do your practices well you have that means you have to take rest earlier you know so we and i talk about this in my uh, that seminar i mentioned earlier about that i gave yesterday on um, habits that we have to make it easy to Adopt good Krishna conscious habits, like hearing and chanting, and make it hard to, um, to, to follow through on, uh, on bad habits. And I gave the example that um, I learned this from, actually, from Burijam Prabhu. He, he has one of the, I don't know if you've ever seen this, it's a container that has a lock, a, a timer on the top. And you put something, usually people put sweets in there and then they know that and then they set it for like nine hours and they can't eat sweets for nine hours, right? You know, so he puts his cell phone, uh, in the evening in there and he sets it, I think, for 9 a.m. and he can't touch his cell, unless he's going to break the, the gadget, which costs like $50. You wouldn't want to do that. You know, he can't look at his cell phone until he finishes his sadhana right or or we uh, here at at my in my house we we around usually around 7:30 we turn off the internet just turn it off and that so it's harder to do you know just space out sur- surfing the internet or checking my emails or whatever and you know there, it's funny because in the evening if my phone's out of uh locked up and the internet's off basically all there's left to do is to hear about krishna <laughs> there's not much of an alternative <laughs> you know, to read something or, or to chant some extra rounds. So my point is that, you know, even these, these, um, the strong preaching by Angira uh, that it's a mental concoction and that we have to shift our reality. It it comes down to some very practical ways, how we spend our 24 hours. So any thoughts, uh, questions, comments on some of those points?
1: I just want to go back. Where is that um, that lecture you gave on habits? Where on the internet?
0: Oh, uh, let me see if I. uh, I will uh, take two seconds to show you to put it in the chat right now. Just because of my, um, what's the word? Um, Self promotional self. uh, I like to be self promotional. that makes sense. You
1: know, I went to one of your lectures on um, habits years ago, and you told me to make my bed. I've been doing it every day ever wow. since, and it was life changing.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I actually <laughs> didn't—I didn't actually mention it. Yeah, in that—in this one, but yes, it's a really good thing to make our bed uh, right when we wake up, or roll up our sleeping bag if that's—if um, <laughs> that's what we do. Okay, back to, yeah, back to our Bhagavad I'm sorry. Um, any other points on this uh, on this point about mental concoction and Atashi Krishna Namadi and changing our reality? To, you know, really trying to live our life in such a way that we really start understanding our reality is Vrindavan. Our reality is Krishna's name. Our reality is that we're not this body. Our reality is that we should spend our life nicely hearing and chanting about Krishna. Yes,
3: okay,
0: Shakshigopapu
3: i have uh, one uh, uh, big picture question so what angira and narada muni is teaching is like uh, 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 given the situation chitraketu is a chakriya uh, and uh, he is now you know basically you know in a grahasashrama uh, but uh, the angira and narada muni's teachings are mostly sanyaasashrama so what is the significance? Basically, like you know, we are all in preaching and we go and talk to people, and uh, you mentioned so many times uh, each and like this instruction varies person to person and where, which stage they are in. So, is there is any significance on this pro- and how we should understand?
0: Well, um, yeah, no, we you're right that we generally speak differently, and that's why he didn't immediately just like tell them. Take sannyas and you know, he but he could see he, he did make he did help him become a great devotee, as we're going to see in the next chapter. Um, but yeah, we it, it, it depends on um on where a person is at very much. Over now, we're talking about practical preaching. Um, because Krishna, I'm trying to remember the verse in the Bhagavad Gita, um, but we act as something I think engage them in works of devotion is that maybe that's the word, the words, uh, you know, Krishna um, recommends in one place that don't just give them gyan, but engage them in acts of devotion. So I, I it reminds me a lot of um, uh, Jayananda Prabhu, uh, the great disciple of Srila Prabhupada, who had this strong faith that if people engage in devotional service they'll they'll be attracted to krishna so when he was fixing the rathayatra card he would get people like right off the streets uh to help that help him to, and he would always you know he'd be maybe fixing a car and you'd only you know see his legs sticking out and he'd have someone walking by could you hand me that wrench and you know that would, engaging them in service or lord chaitanya with uh Prakashananda saraswati right he sat in the dirty place um he sat in the dirty he sat in the dirty place just so that you know uh he would uh, that Sananda would offer his hand to lord chaitanya and that way engage in devotional service so um <laughs> walt yes um so that's that's that is a nice thing to keep in mind just like our uh, we don't have them this today but our maha mantra Prabhu, he he engages people quite directly right by getting them to chant you know, Krishna's name and many of the devotees here, they don't you know, most people didn't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I can't wait for a devotee to knock on my door and try to sell me a Bhagavatam. <laughs> right? But we engage people in, in in all different ways and acts some kind of way in acts of devotion. But it's but you I think your point is well or what you're getting at Shakshigopapu is well said that it might not be the first thing that we want to tell a person who has, you know, five children and working two jobs to, uh, it's all Maya. It's all nonsense. Actually, that's not Krishna's suggestion in the Gita, but we, uh, you know, or, or as Lord Brahmas, you know, stay in your position, but hear about Krishna. So, but at, and at the same time, um, Oh, thank you, Suganda. So, as not to disturb the minds of the ignorant men attached to the fruit of results of prescribed duties, a learned person should not induce them to stop work. Rather, by working in the spirit of devotion, he should engage them in all sorts of activities for the gradual development of Krishna consciousness. Thank you, Suganda. You know, if there's a young person, like, you know, like um, kind of the way I'm just looking who's on the call, at least for Henry and I. You know, back in the seventies, it was just like, give up everything. You know, I was just a, I was just a high school student, so I didn't have much to give up <laughs> and just, uh, you know, join the ashram in Haridwar. It would that was fine for me. You know, this material world is terrible and this and that. I was, I didn't have any, I wasn't married. I didn't have any, uh, any much going on in the material world except going to college. So it depends. Is that all right, Shakshi? Anything else?
4: Well the thing about Angira yes. the the very, very uh direct preaching that Angira is doing. It's um no news to devotees, but um we see this kind of direct no nonsense approach so often in the Bhagavatam um and, uh, he's stressing and other stress, you know, the, the, all of these opulences that you have. So it, it, it's already assumed that everybody knows the value of these opulences, that, you know, it, but that's, it's assumed that, uh, that's all, that's all that they know. They don't know the other half, that it's temporary, that it's, um um, impermanent, and that's why it's going to cause you suffering, and that. Uh, so, but, go ahead.
0: No, no, uh, but you're right, and and it's also good to remember that this is Gan preaching. It's not Bhakti. It's Gan that leads to Bhakti because we don't really yeah. get the Bhakti preaching until the next chapter, where the, where Narada starts instructing him uh giving him the mantras to chant to develop his, his bhakti. But it helps, The this kind of knowledge helps us become detached and better hearers of, of the bhakti principles. Should we go on to the next verse? Because the next verse is also uh, something that we're going to talk about. Um, so 26. Therefore, O King Chitra Ketur, carefully consider the position of the atma In other words, try to understand who you are. Whether you're the body, whether you're the mind, or whether you're the soul. Consider where you have come from, where you are going after giving up this body, and why you are under the control of material lamentation. Try to understand your real position in this way, and then you'll be able to give up your unnecessary attachment. You will also be able to give up the belief that this material world or anything not directly in touch with services to Krishna, so there's a little Krishna conscious there, is eternal. Thus you will obtain peace. Hmm. Um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur says that, and we, we celebrated his uh, Tirobhav yesterday, that um, was it yesterday, or the day before yesterday? Day before yesterday. Or is it yesterday? I can't, yesterday. Every,
3: yesterday? What's that? Yesterday.
0: Okay, gosh. <laughs> when you're, you know, during uh, lockdown and COVID and everything, you know, every day is kind of merges into every other day. And also because we had Friday off, you know, yeah. uh, I, you know, Saturday, yesterday seemed like a Sunday and, you know, this is like just extra credit or something today. <laughs> um, he said that when one, one, is convinced that the, the, there's no happiness in this material world. He's made the greatest first step in his, in his devotional progress. So on the purport, Sheila Prabhupada writes, the Krishna conscious movement is factually endeavoring to bring human society to a sober condition. So this is very sobering preaching, isn't it? Because of a misdirected civilization, right? Imagine like misdirected, right? You know, you know, sometimes we, we, we're driving, uh, on the highway and they're doing some repairs. So they take you on a detour and that's okay because we know the detour is going to keep getting you uh, back on the right track. But what if the detour sends you on the opposite direction? <laughs> right. Just like totally, you know, you're trying to you know, like last week, a uh, couple of weeks ago, I was, I was driving down to Florida. What if I took a detour and, and instead of keep going south, you know, the detour takes me to Tennessee or something like that. So, so that's that's totally misdirected. I'd be totally misdirected. So here, because of a misdirected civilization, people are jumping in materialistic life like cats and dogs, performing all sorts of abominable, sinful actions and becoming increasingly entangled. This, the Krishna conscious movement includes self-realization, which is what we're hearing about, right? Self-realization. Because one is first directed by Lord Krishna to understand that one is not the body, but the owner of the body. When one understands this simple fact, he can direct himself towards the goal of life. Because people are not educated in terms of the goal of life, they are working like madmen and becoming more and more attached to the material atmosphere. The misguided man accepts the material condition as everlasting. One must give up his faith in material things. And give up attachment for them, then one will be sober and peaceful. Mm, so quite strong words. So it's good to be um, contemplative, you know, to to think uh, to uh, think about not just go along with society the way it is and think oh, it's okay, you know, or or just that we become so accustomed to the misguided civilization we almost become kind of one with it um and when do we find you know we have to find kind of same point as we made in the last verse that we have to find time to be contemplative and to think about our relationship to this world you know in in bygone days all the sages that's all the sages did right they were that's all the sages did um uh, but you know the the crazy world that we live in, you know uh, the regulated principles that we are trying to follow our whole life, they get broken without a second thought in 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 this world right and, you know you know that I sometimes like to do this all so you know just a few statistics one hundred and nineteen billion dollars in the gambling industry that right? if you include you know uh, you know it 's huge. Um, $116 billion just in America spent a year on beer. Billion. And that's 2.8 billion cases of beer in one year are sold or distributed. How about this one? 1.47 trillion, not billion, trillion is what the alcohol industry is worth in America. Okay, so these are all, you know, our four regulated principles. 35% of the internet is pornography. In America, this is down from what it used to be, over 600,000 abortions per year. And And then this is 54 billion animals killed, 8 billion chickens, 36 million cows, and 43 billion shellfish. Percentage of adults age eighteen and over who have had at least one heavy drink day, which means five or more drinks for men and four for women, in the past year: twenty-five percent. So, just just to I just you know quote those to just show how we're surrounded. The whole atmosphere is is um, surrounded by principles that we are against, or we, you know, try to, we, we want to avoid and we don't want to be influenced by. And that's, that's, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. So we have to, we, we want to, we don't have to, but we should choose to insulate ourselves, um, carefully. Some questions or comments on this?
2: I think it's extremely, obviously goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, extremely difficult to insulate oneself. Yes. Because you're talking about a mass of humanity doing something, right? Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. That mass is still going in that direction. and it, right. yeah. So it's almost insoluble.
0: It, it is hard. That. Yeah.
2: You can always say that this is happening because it's going to be happening.
0: <laughs> it, it is hard, um, but it is also possible. At least um, there's things that we can do. Like, well, let's say, Andy, Well, let me ask you. Let's say, and, and I'm not getting on your case. I'm not talking about you specifically, right? But let's say you were talking to someone who says, you know, I really want to have less to do with um, with the way society thinks and does things. What advice might you give them? Oh, boy.
2: You shouldn't ask me that.
0: <laughs> well, you don't. You know, you can be I... as hypocritical as you want in this case. Cause you don't have to.
2: <laughs> you don't want to ask me that.
0: All right. I would say, uh, you know, trash the TV would probably be right up there, okay. and maybe put uh, certain restrictions. You can even get these programs right on your internet use. And I would say, find out something you love to drink as much as alcohol. You know, maybe it's smoothies or whatever. You know find but, something
2: because I can always top if you ask me like you're saying you turn off your internet I say why don't you turn off the circuit breakers uh, to all but vital appliances Uh I do that no electricity I mean you can always top
0: it yeah yeah, yeah you could do that I, I did that not by choice but living in Vrindavan you know we would have hours and hours of no electricity many many times <laughs> but I think there are ways to be less or you know only use or you know only use something like a tv for documentaries and only you know or or you know okay so you 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 really attach the taste of meat. okay well buy beyond burgers right which tastes very i only had it once Mm -hmm. i don't know um the beyond burger and it tasted so similar to the real thing i couldn't have it again you know but in other words we try to um not just say, don't do this, because part of Krishna Consciousness is not, don't do this, but replace it with that.
2: Yeah, because so, um, like you were listing off those negative things, yeah. all the gambling, all the alcohol and everything. But there are really a lot of disturbing uh, statistics. Like I heard one that I can't get over is that like every American is using 11,000 watts per hour. Amazing. Because we're so resource intensive. Yeah, and so it's if you just dwell on that, it's oh, it becomes so daunting.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's scary. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, Anyone, anything else? Okay, then let's carry on. So we're going to the end of this chapter. The great sage Narda said, Tell the, uh, the, "Oh, my dear king. So this is Narda now, not Angira. Attentive, attentively receive from me." A mantra, which is most auspicious. After accepting it from me, in seven nights, you will be able to see the Lord. Imagine if someone said that to us. I would like, bring it on. <laughs> I would call in sick for seven days. I wouldn't go to work. I'd just like, yes, please. My dear king, in former days, Lord Shiva and other demigods took shelter of the lotus feet of Sankarsana. Thus, they immediately got free from the illusion of duality and achieved unequaled and unsurpassed glories in spiritual life. You will very soon attain that very same position. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the sixth canto, 15th chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Saints Narada and Angira Instruct King Chitraketu. Chapter 16. King Chitraketu meets the Supreme Lord. Text 1. Sri Sukadeva Goswami said, My dear King Perkshi, by his mystic power, the great sage Narda brought the dead son into the vision of all lamenting relatives and then spoke as follows. Narada Muni said, O oh, living entity, all good fortune unto you. Just see your father and mother. All your friends and relatives are overwhelmed with grief because of your passing away. Because you died untimely, the balance of your lifetime still remains. Therefore, you may re-enter your body and enjoy the remainder of your life, surrounded by your friends and relatives, except the royal throne and all the opulences given by your father. Now, before we go on, I want you to read, the, hear this. Srila um, Vishen of Chakravarti Thakur says that actually it was Narada Muni who entered the child's body in order to enlighten the king and queen through the mouth of their dead son. He knew if he simply spoke to them directly, they would not give up their grief, and he would not be able to break their illusion. Okay. Here we go. By the mystic power of Narada Muni, the living entity re-entered his dead body for a short time and spoke in reply to Narada Muni's request. He said, According to the results of my fruitive activities, I, the living being, transmigrate from one body to another, sometimes going to the species of the demigods, sometimes to the species of lower animals, sometimes among vegetables, and sometimes to the human species. Therefore, in which birth were these my mother and father? No one is actually my mother and father. How can I accept these two people as my parents? five in this material world which advances like a river which carries away the living entity have you ever felt have you ever felt that sometimes in your life you just a river is just pushing you on day after day all people become friends relatives and enemies in due course of time they also act neutrally they mediate they despise one another and they act in many other relationships nonetheless Despite these various transactions, no one is permanently related. And this very interesting purport, about three or four sentences down. This living entity, he could have thought, was my enemy. Oh, so this is how Chitra. Chitra, I'll read the sentence before. Chichiketu Mars was lamenting for his son, who was now dead. But he could have considered the situation otherwise. This living entity, he could have thought, was my enemy in my last life. And now having appeared as my son, is pre uh he is prematurely leaving just to give me pain and agony. Why should he not uh he should not consider his dead son his former energy and enemy, and instead of lamenting be jubilant because an of an enemy's death? As stated in Bhagavad Gita, chapter three, verse twenty seven, prakrite kriyamanani gunaikarmani sarvasaha. Factually, everything is happening because of our association with the modes of material nature. Therefore, one who is my friend today in association with the mode of goodness may be my enemy tomorrow in association with the modes of passion and ignorance. As the modes of material nature work, in illusion we accept others as friends, enemies, sons, or fathers in terms of the reactions of different dealings under different conditions. Wow. I, when I read that, I was like, that's amazing. So we don't always see things as they are. Right? So, you know, he, in the next verse, it, it, uh, the next purport probably basically says he was enemy in his last life. Right? So we don't see it like that. He was always, my poor son, my poor son. And here, you know, we, we were, um, Nard is having him put on different glasses. Um, or the jiva or the jivas Narada speaking through the Jiva. Um, so we don't see necessarily see the background when things happen to us. We don't always understand when we say we, we, we say you know superficial, oh it's Krishna's mercy. This this bad thing happened or this good thing happened. And we you know we don't know the background of, of Krishna um, hand in it and, and and our karma's hand in it. Um, just like you know, the first six children of Devaki killed by Kansa, right? Were Kansa's sons in a previous life, and he's killing his own sons. And so, you know, there's 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 some great lessons in the shastra that can lead us to conclude that we don't see things necessarily as they are. So that's one point. And then I just thought I'd make the other point in this. In this uh, purport, and that is this whole point about seeing people in terms of friends and enemies, because as Vaishnavas, we, we want to transcend that. And so here's a verse, um, Canto 7, chapter 5, verse number 4. Prahlad certainly heard the recited uh, and recited the topics of politics and economics taught by the teachers. But he understood that political philosophy involves considering someone a friend and someone else an enemy, and thus he did not like it. Shilup Prabhupada's purporting. Politics involves accepting one group of men as enemies and another group of as friends. Everything in politics is based on this philosophy. Do do we see that today in the world? (laughs) In America? And the entire world, especially at the present, is engrossed in it. The public is concerned with friendly countries and friendly groups or enemy countries and enemy groups. Do we see that in America now? But as stated in Bhagavad Gita, a learned person does not make distinctions between enemies and friends. Devotees especially do not create friends and enemies. A devotee sees that every living being is part and parcel of Krishna, buddha. Therefore, a devotee, treats friends and enemies equally by trying to educate them both in Krishna consciousness. Of course, atheistic men do not follow the instructions of pure devotees, but instead of considering a devotee but instead consider a devotee their enemy. The devotee, however, never creates a situation of friendship and enemy. Although Prahlad Maharaj was obliged to hear the instructions of Sunda and Amarka, he did not like the philosophy of friends and enemies, which forms the basis of politics. He was not interested in this philosophy. Hmm. Maharaj Yudhishthira is called satra right? That one whose enemy is never born. That doesn't mean some people considered him an enemy, but he didn't consider them an enemy. This is not an easy consciousness to adopt. It's only, you know, all of these different instructions in the Bhagavatam and the Gita about what kind of consciousness we should, it ultimately comes by Krishna's help, by Krishna's mercy. We make our endeavor to hear and chant regularly, and Krishna, seeing our sincere endeavor, he helps us to develop this kind of consciousness. So some thoughts either on friends and enemies, or on not seeing things as they are. And Anantarupa Ananda Rupa uh, or Jiva have put in uh, one who is not envious but is a kind friend to all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor, is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and stress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled, and engaged in devotional service and determination. His mind and intelligence fixed on Me, such a devotee of Mine is very dear to Me. So, any, any thoughts on um, these two points in this verse? Prabhu? Yes, Raghunanda Prabhu. Um, yeah, it's an,
3: it's an important point that we are not seeing the world as they are, but uh, I just want to see the world as I want it to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that, that causes so many problems and frictions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Another famous person says, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Which is similar to what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a effort to change that, and it really comes by becoming Krishna conscious, doesn't it? Yeah. Other thoughts? Let's see what Suganda has put in here. Oh, she's quoting the Advanti Brahmana failing to conquer this irrepressible enemy, the mind, whose urges are intolerable and who torments the heart. Many people are completely bewildered and create useless quarrel with others. Thus, they conclude that other people are either their friends, their enemies, or parties indifferent to them. So, yes, it ultimately, it's the mind who's our enemy, yeah, our reaper. Okay. Anything else on this? These points. You.
5: Yes, I'm so, not the um, yes prabhu so i was recollecting how in bhagavad gita in lord krishna's teachings over and over again in several chapters it's emphasized that <clears throat> one needs to transcend the modes of material nature being in lower modes of nature how uh, you know how however consciousness gets degraded uh, you know our knowledge our determination, um, our behavior, living entities' behavior is impacted. So uh, now here, I know as we are studying more about this, and we are talking about uh, perceptions that thinking of enemy and friend and working of mine. So I was relating to it that it's very relevant. Um, so many times in different verses, it's emphasized that Krishna really likes the devotee who is equally poised, who has that vision uh, not to judge, so as not to judge others, but see every action um, as constituting of what, not, not that he's, he is the doer, but there are five factors actually involved in which mm. super soul is a major part, and then there are other reasons. So often in influence of lower modes of nature, uh, so we tend to forget that we don't use our intelligence and, you know, due to weaknesses of art and other things. Uh, that is where we I find these teachings really relevant. And, uh, you know, it's helpful to understand and introspect that where we stand, why are we thinking like this? I mean, this remembrance is now... Hmm. Uh, they are more and more, you know, uh, probably earlier, a few years back, I would read this and not remember it all the time. Now, you know, I, I'm able to understand, you know, how to develop that tolerance or to be respectful to others at all times, not to expect respect back, you know, relevance of all these teachings.
0: Thank you. So. Thank you so much. So let's go on to verse six. Just as gold and other commodities are continually transferred from one place to another in due course of purchase and sale, so the living entity, as a result of this fruit of activities, wanders throughout the entire universe, being injected with various bodies in different species of life by one kind of father after another. Okay, and I was hearing some feedback there, but I think everyone's muted now, so it's all good. Um, so the purport covers many things. Um, the first thing is this, this point, isn't it interesting, right? You, you, you get some, let's say you get some cash, you get a hundred dollar bill and, you know, you spend it on something that you really like. And then that hundred dollar bill gets in the hands of your enemy and they spend it to, you know, um, Purchase a knife so they can slash your tires. (laughs) So that same hundred dollar bill, was it your friend or was it your enemy? (laughs) Right. So Prabhupada writes, if the king's son was his enemy, he could have, uh, how could the king have so much affection for him? In answer, the example is given that when someone's wealth falls into the hands of his enemy, the money becomes the enemy's friend. Thus, the enemy can use it for his own purposes. Indeed, he can even use it to harm its previous owner. <laughs> Therefore, the money belongs neither to the party nor to the other. The money is always money, but in different situations, it can be used as an enemy or a friend. Now, the next point, next next purport, uh, Next paragraph. As explained in Bhagavad Gita, it is not by any father or mother that the living entity is given his birth. The living entity is a completely separate identity from the so-called father and mother. By the laws of nature, the living entity is forced to enter the semen of a father and be injected into the womb of the mother. He is not in control of selecting what kind of father he will accept, right? We've talked about that several times, and nobody filled out a form saying, I want to be born in this city, and I want these parents. Prakriti Kriyamanani. The laws of nature force him to go to different fathers and mothers, just like a consumer commodity that is purchased and sold. Therefore, the so-called relationship of father and son is an arrangement of prakriti or nature. It has no meaning, and therefore it is called illusion. So let's talk about that for a minute, then we'll go on to the last one. So well, actually, I'll read the last point. Uh, this is the last paragraph. In the transmigration of the soul through different bodies, everyone in every form of life, be it human, animal, tree, or demigod, gets a father and mother. It is not very difficult. The difficulty is to obtain a bona fide spiritual master and Krishna. Therefore, the duty of a human being is to capture the opportunity to come in touch with Krishna's representative, the bona fide spiritual master. So... So this is the Gany's relationship to family members, right? That it's, that it's just an illusion, right? It's, it's just an illusion. You, you who's your mother? Who's your father? You've had so many mothers, so many fathers. And that is a Gany's relationship with, with the family members. Now, what about for devotees? Now, we are also taught not to be, uh, overly attached, but, in a, but we have a practical way of dealing with this. That is natural, and that is that we see our family in relationship with Krishna. We try to connect our family to Krishna. Um, So, yeah, so here it's saying that the spiritual master is a real father. Uh, Yet, look at Srila Prabhupada's how he dedicated the Krishna book, right? He wrote, To my father, Gormohan Dey. 1849 to 1930. A pure devotee of Krishna, who raised me as a Krishna conscious child from the beginning of my life. In my boyhood, my, in my boyhood ages, he instructed me how to play the Murdanga. He gave me Radha Krishna Vigraha to worship. And he gave me Jagannath Ratha Rathayatra to duly observe the festival as my childhood play. He was kind to me, and I imbibed from him. The idea is later solidified by my spiritual master, the eternal father. So so we see in Prabhupada's, uh, in that beautiful dedication to Krishna book, he didn't say after who, you know, to my spiritual master and who gives a damn about my father. <laughs> right? He He didn't do that at all, right? He said he dedicated it to his father and his father was a devotee. And then he also recognizes later on that his eternal father is Srila Bhakti Sananta Sarasati Thakur. So this is the uh, mood of a Vaishnava. They don't reject family. They engage family. They don't reject anything. We don't reject anything of this world. We engage it in Krishna's service. So it's, again, it's that, what we've talked about in the past, it's kind of like Hegel's thesis, antithesis, antithesis, synthesis. So the thesis is we love all of our family members. You know, I just, you know, they're my life and soul. The antithesis is, ah, who's my family members? You have one father, one mother one time, and another, they're meaningless. And the synthesis is that you are attached to, you are not attached in a material way, but you become attached, and you uh, connect them with Krishna, and therefore have a wonderful, lasting relationship with them in Krishna's service. So I thought that was—I I always loved that um, dedication that Prabhupada makes at the beginning of the Krishna Book to his to his father. So we talked about two things in this purport primarily. One is the how money kind of transmigrates, <laughs> and it could be you know you, at one point your friend, or another time your enemy. And then also this point about um, attachment, detachment, and Krishna conscious attachment in in family life. So some thoughts on that? And, And an interesting point, by the way, in practical reality, I don't think Prabhupada's children were very devotionally inclined. I don't want to commit an offense by that, but I don't think they were. And still in his... So it's not that he was irresponsible, even if he couldn't connect them so much with Krishna. In his will, he set aside some money to be given to his his, son, his children. Uh, and I think maybe, I don't know if his wife was still alive, um, uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. So Hare he still Krishna. did his duty. Yes, Shiva Taprabhu.
6: Hare Krishna. So thank you for covering such nice and the you know dedication in Krishna book reveals how Srila Prabhupada was seeing good you know, from the very early stage itself and how he is so appreciative of his parents and he was appreciative of his surrounding. And as we hear that money is a commodity, right? And for a person with uncontrolled mind, it's an enemy still, right? And for a person with controlled mind, it's a friend. Right. Because they know how to use it. So if your enemy has an uncontrolled mind, you can give them money to completely destroy themselves. You don't have to do that job. Money will do that. While at the same time, you give it to devotee, then they would use it in the right purpose. So it becomes their friend and your friend. So that's uh-huh. the benefit why a charity should be given to the right person at the right place in the right circumstances. So you actually learn a lot of lessons just by hearing that purpose. More ideas come to our mind. Hare Krishna.
0: Very good. Thank you. Other thoughts? Yes, Henry.
1: And they were talking about, you know, um, Prabhupada's talking about the Rathiyatra and I just kind of, when he was a baby, I mean, when he was a little kid, he had the little toy Rathiyatra card and everything right. and how, you know, that was important, you know, um, in his life. And I was thinking about the, the people in um, Jagannath Puri who don't want rathiatras to be on different days or different <laughs> yeah. places. I think you can't control Krishna. You know, Krishna's going to manifest. He's going to have a rathiatra where he wants to. You can't control it. That's my conclusion.
0: <laughs> Very good. And one of the biggest rathiatras in the world now is the Calcutta one. And you could say Prabhupada started it. Right. The Calcutta rathiatra I think is the biggest ISKCON rathiatra in the world. It's huge. Huge. I don't know, recent years. I'm, I'm talking, you know, from remembrances of some time ago. But thank you for that, Henry. I also noticed that when he wrote, he said he gave me rathiacha. Murdanga. Yeah. Other thoughts, comments, questions? Okay. So let us carry on. We're going up to verse, well, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to read something in eight. So, okay. Verse number seven, a few living entities are born in the human species and others are born in animals, as animals. Although both are living entities, their relationships are impermanent. An animal may remain in the custody of a human being for some time and then the same animal may be transferred to the possession of other human beings. As soon as the animal goes away, the former provider no longer has a sense of ownership. As long as the animal is in his possession, Possession, he certainly has an affinity for it. But as soon as the animal is sold, the affinity is lost. Even though one living entity becomes connected with another because of a relationship based on bodies that are perishable, the living entity is eternal. Actually, it is the body that is born or lost, not the living entity. One should not accept the living en- that the living entity takes birth or dies. The living being actually has no relationship with so-called fathers and mothers, as long as he appears as the son of a certain father and mother as a result of his past fruit of activities, which, by the way, is a question was just posed, and that answers it in the chat. As long as, as long as he appears as the son of a certain father and mother as a result of his past fruit of activities, his karma, he has a connection with the body given by that father and mother. Thus, he falsely accepts himself as their son and acts affectionately. After he dies, however, the relationship is finished. Under these circumstances, one should not falsely uh, be falsely involved with jubilation and lamentation. And in, for, for verse 8, Srila of Chakravarti Thakur comments that the soul that had once been Chitraketu's son doesn't want to resume his previous identity since he no longer identifies with it or the relatives attached to it. So he says, it's not proper to ask me to re-enter this body. Like, it's just like, who are these people? Right? Could you imagine if someone, let's just assume you had, you had a human form in your last life, and, you know, you can't remember it, right? And someone just says, here's your father and mother, and you're like, huh? I don't have any, I don't know these people. Right. So carrying on to verse number nine, the living entity is eternal and imperishable because he actually has no beginning and no end. He never takes birth or dies. He is the basic principle of all types of bodies, yet he does not belong to the bodily category. The living being is so sublime that he is equal in quality with the Supreme Lord to the Supreme Lord. Nonetheless, because he is extremely small, He is prone to be illusioned by the external energy. And thus he creates various bodies for himself according to his different desires. For this living entity, no one is dear, nor is anyone unfavorable. He makes no distinction between that which is his own and that which belongs to anyone else. He is one without a second. In other words, he is not affected by friends and enemies, well-wishers, and mischief mongers. He is only an observer, a witness of the different qualities of men. And Prabhupada says something very sweet in the purport, that for the Supreme Lord, there are no friends, enemies, or relatives, for he is completely free from all the disqualifications of ignorance that characterize the conditioned souls. On the other hand, he is extremely kind and favorable to his devotees, and he is not at all uh, satisfied with persons who are envious of his devotees. So that's a very good thing to keep in mind, that we should never be envious of Krishna's devotees because otherwise Krishna will not be happy with us. And it was also interesting in Sachinandan Maharaj's talk today in the Govardhan retreat, he was talking about how studying this pastime of Krishna lifting Govardhan hill frees us from envy, frees us from envy. And Prabhupada later writes, um, even something stronger, the Lord is extremely antagonistic towards those who are envious of his devotees. Ouch. Don't be envious of Krishna's devotees. Don't be envious of Krishna's devotees. If they're better than us, they have more money than us, better looking than us, much more advanced in Krishna consciousness, they deserve it. They were where we were at at one point, but they made advancement. They deserve it. Text 11. Oh, and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur comments on this um, verse. The Lord's affection for his devotees is not a fault, but an ornament. Nice. Text 11. The Supreme Lord, Atma, the creator of cause and effect, does not accept the happiness and distress that result from fruitive actions. He is completely independent of having to accept the material body. And because he has no material body, he is always neutral. The living entities, being part and parcel of the Lord, possess his qualities in a minute quantity. Therefore, one should not be affected by lamentation. Shri Sukadev Goswami continued, When the conditioned soul, the jiva, in the form of Maharaj Chitraketu's son, had spoken in this way and then left... Chichiketu and the other relatives of the dead son were all astonished. Thus, they cut off the shackles of their affection, which was due to their relationship with him and gave up their lamentation. So you can see how powerful experiential learning is. You know, giving a lecture, of course, is wonderful. And it's one way of learning, but it might not have in this case had been as powerful, especially all of the residents in the in the kingdom or at least who, those who who saw this happen they were they, they were like immediately changed by this seeing this before their very eyes after the relatives had discharged their duties by performing the proper funeral ceremonies and burning the dead child's body they gave up the affection that leads to illusion lamentation fear and pain such affection is undoubtedly difficult to give up but they gave it up very easily, so it was very difficult. But because they had this this darshan of, of and saw what did in their very eyes, they were convinced. They were convinced. So we should try to become convinced um, by hearing about them becoming convinced. Queen Kutjad Yuti's co-wives who had poisoned the child were very much ashamed, and they lost all their bodily luster. While lamenting, O king, they remembered the instructions of an Angira and gave up their ambition to bear children. Following the directions of the Brahmanas, they went to the bank of the Yamuna, where they bathed and atoned for their sinful activities. And this is a interesting one point that I wanted to make here, that Prabhupada makes in the purport, towards the end. Those who are sincere souls, after hearing this incident, should refrain from such child killing and should atone for their sinful activities by taking to Krishna consciousness very seriously. One chants the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra without offenses. All of one's sinful actions are surely atoned for immediately, but one should not commit such deeds again, for that is an offense." So I like this point where Prabhupada says, for those who are sincere souls, after hearing the incident. Okay, so maybe, so it seems that there's more responsibility, uh, when we hear the truth. Because now, So, you know, Prabhupada doesn't say that, you know, in other words, it seems that there may even be more of a reaction to someone who knows the truth and then goes ahead and does this, whereas someone who just, you know, does something sinfully, um, but doesn't know that it's similar. matter of fact, they think, oh, yeah, what's wrong with, uh, you know, there's so many people who are pro-choice in this world. And for Prabhupada, it wasn't, you know, like in, in, in America, it's become if you're a liberal, then you're pro-choice. If you're a conservative, then you're pro-life. For Prabhupada, it wasn't pro-choice, pro-life, liberal, conservative. He just couldn't imagine a woman wanting to kill her own child. It's just you know, in, 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 in his experiences, like what? And, and not only could he not, I mean, he couldn't, he'd imagine anything because he's Christian. He could imagine anything Christian wants him to imagine, but it was just such a unthinkable thing. He spoke very strongly against it. Like that, not, not that, you know, he, he and, and what's interesting is it's not that, you know, someone, because what we, we conclude sometimes, is well that's just because you're you know, people who people who are pro life are just they're also misogynist and they're this and that and they're trying to keep women down and and uh we was just hearing uh, my wife was interviewing a senior disciple of Srila Prabhupada's yesterday, who had some association with Prabhupada and a woman devotee. And Prabhupada was so um he took care of the women devotees. He saw one time a, a, uh, one of the ladies had a rip in her sari. So he immediately bought her a new sari <laughs> like that. And, and in, um, in Calcutta, in the old old temple, that we still have, um, but it's been renovated now. But I can't remember if the men had to go through the women's quarters to get to the shower or vice versa. And Prabhupada talked to her and said, this, are you okay? Is this, is this all right? You know, this doesn't seem, and, and he made, immediately made some adjustment to protect the women. So it's not like he was, you know, it, it was, it was, he was coming from this topic from a very different perspective than people come from it today. And then he's also saying here that when we, it seems he's saying that when we attain, attain knowledge, we have a greater responsibility. I know this wasn't one of the reading verses, but any questions or comments on that? Okay, and we can go on. We're going up to verse 20. Thus enlightened by the instructions of the Brahmanas Angira and Narda, King Chitraketu became fully aware of spiritual knowledge. As an elephant becomes free from a muddy reservoir of water, King Chitraketu came out of the dark well of family life. The king bathed in the water of the Yamuna, and according to prescribed duties, he offered oblations of water to the forefathers and demigods. So it's interesting. So he still did his Vedic duties. You could say, well, why, why obey oblations to the forefathers? They're also <laughs> no connection ultimately as a spirit soul. But he, he did, it says here that he did his prescribed duties. Very gravely controlling his senses and mind, he then offered his respects and obeisances to the sons of Brahma, Angira and Narada. Thereafter, being very, very much pleased with Chitraketu, who was, now a self controlled devotee and surrendered soul, Narada the most powerful sage, spoke to him the following transcendental instructions. So now the, here comes the bhakti, right? Mm-hmm. Narada gave Chitra Ketra the following mantra O Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is addressed by the Omkara Pranava. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. O Lord Vasudeva, O Lord Vasudev, I meditate upon you, O Lord Pradumna, Lord Aniruddha, and Lord Sankarshana. I offer my respectful obeisances. O reservoir of spiritual potency, O supreme bliss, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you who are self-sufficient and most peaceful. O ultimate truth, one without a second, you are realized as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, and are therefore the reservoir of all knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Perceiving your spiritual bliss, you are always transcendental by the to the waves of material nature. Therefore, my Lord, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. You are the supreme controller of the senses, and your expansions of form are unlimited. You are the greatest, and therefore I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So this purport, um, it's all about, and some commentary of the previous acharyas. we're going to just focus on it for a minute. It's all about the comparing us to Krishna, basically. This verse analytically differentiates the living entity from the Supreme Lord. The form of the Lord and the form of the conditioned soul are different because the Lord is always blissful, whereas the conditioned soul is always under the threefold miseries of the material world. The Supreme Lord is sat ananda vigraha He derives Ananda, bliss, from his own self, The Lord's body is transcendental, spiritual. But because the conditioned soul has a material body, he has many bodily and mental troubles. The conditioned soul is always perturbed by attachment and detachment, whereas the Supreme Lord is always free from such dualities. The Lord is the supreme master of all the senses, whereas the conditioned soul is controlled by the senses. The Lord is the greatest, whereas the living entity is the smallest, The living entity is conditioned by the waves of material nature, but the Supreme Lord is transcendental to all actions and reactions. The expansions of the Lord's body are innumerable, but the conditioned soul is limited to only one form. From history we learn that a conditioned soul by mystic power can sometimes expand into eight forms, but the Lord's bodily expansions are unlimited. This means that the bodies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead have no beginning and no end, unlike the bodies of the living entity. So <laughs> it's quite a good uh, comparison there, right? Bishop Chakravarti Thakur writes that the Lord has a form of the highest bliss, whereas the embodied jiva is a form made of the five material elements. The Lord finds bliss in his own nature, whereas the living, whereas the jiva finds bliss in material sense objects. The Lord is not attached to the material world, whereas the Shiva is. Such a huge difference between us and Krishna, and it's very clearly stated here. Some questions or comments on this verse? It's clear? I mean, you know, Prabhupada is quoting the previous acharyas and, you know, really trying to make it clear that don't be a Mayavadi, because it's to think that you're as good as God, or one with Him, it's we're, we are in quality, but certainly not in quantity, and so minute. Okay, should we go on there? Gosh, we might almost finish this chapter, or not this chapter at it, but the reading. No, well, the chapter is a long chapter. Text twenty-one. The words and mind of the condition of the conditioned soul cannot approach the supreme personality of God. For material names and forms are not applicable to the Lord, who is entirely spiritual beyond the conception of gross and subtle forms. The impersonal Brahman is another of His forms. May He, by His pleasure, protect us. As pots made completely of earth are situated on earth after being created and are transformed into earth again when broken. This cosmic manifestation is caused by the Supreme Brahman situated in the Supreme Brahman and annihilated in the same Supreme Brahman. Therefore, since the Supreme Lord is the cause of Brahman, let us offer him our respectful obeisances. The Supreme Brahman emanates from the Supreme personality of God and expands like the sky. Although untouched by anything material, it exists within and without. Nonetheless, the mind, intelligence, senses, and the living force can neither touch him nor know him. I offer him my respectful obeisances. As iron has the power to burn when made red hot in the association of fire, so the body, senses, living force, mind, and intelligence, although merely lumps of matter, can function in their activities when infused by a particle of consciousness by the supreme personality of Godhead. As iron cannot burn unless heated by fire, The bodily senses cannot act unless favored by the Supreme Pramha. Right towards the end of the purport, Prabhupada writes, this is the way to understand how the Supreme Brahman, Krishna, is present everywhere. Just as the sunshine is present because of the sun god in the sun globe, the Supreme Lord is called Rishikesha. He is the only... Of the senses. Unless empowered by his energy, our senses cannot act. In other words, he is the only seer, the only worker, the only listener, and the only active principle or supreme controller. So now quote a little bit from Jiva Goswami. And he is quoting Srila Sridhar Swami. And he's commenting on this verse, explaining how Krishna empowers. He says how he powers the actions of the mind and senses. So the mind and senses are inert matter and Krishna empowers them. This is what he says. I offer respects to that Brahman. The reason for the mind and senses not knowing Brahman is then explained. The body, senses, mind, and life forces, pranas, are each endowed with a portion of the Brahman's consciousness and move towards their respective objects. But without the Lord, each of them is like unheated iron, which cannot burn. Just as iron can burn when the shakti of fire is applied to it. But iron itself is unable to burn anything. So the body, senses, and minds, so our body, our sense, of mind, and our life heirs are moved to action by Brahma's knowledge, gana, and action, kriya shaktis. But of themselves, they cannot touch or know Brahman. A little bit more. Jiva Goswami continues. Um, he quotes the Kena Upanishad. And he says that the Lord is the prana of prana, the eye of the eye, the ear of the ear, and the mind of the mind. That's, that's from the Kena Upanishad. So any questions or comments on this is just right. So our eyes don't work without Krishna's help. Our ears don't work. Nothing. Our mind doesn't function without Krishna's infusing himself. So it shows how fully dependent we are on Krishna. So some questions or comments on this, a very important philosophical point in this verse.
3: Hare Krishna Prabhu, uh, this reminded me of uh, the Supreme Lord entering as the Kisai Vishnu, the super soul. Without him, man, cannot be even worked even by the demigods to build things so everything in the material creation be made up of material energy becomes malleable or workable just because of the presence of the supreme lord
0: yes yeah so that and that kind of goes back to the first point we were making today how do we you know Raghunana and others how do we um, keep that in mind throughout the day how do we make that our reality? You know, we okay, we, underst- we understand it theoretically. How do we make it our reality? That's our challenge. Yeah,
3: w- one thing that I experienced, Prabhu, is uh, based upon how attentive I am in chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, That to that extent, I am aware of that fact. If I am distracted in my chanting, then throughout the day, like I, it's it's pretty dull and. That that consciousness is completely different as I go through life through during that day.
0: So you see a real correlation to how well you chant to what your are
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, attentive chanting is. is really yeah helpful mm-hmm. because as Krishna says, from Him comes remembrance and forgetfulness. So yeah, I'm starting the day and I'm chanting the Mahamantra and I how attentive I am. It's able to help me remember him throughout the day. Otherwise, if I am inattentive or distracted, that's how my uh, day is going to be <laughs> throughout. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. Other thoughts?
3: Hare Krishna
6: Prabhupada, this is Yes, Tudas. So, here, Lord is, you know, revealing and basically Ketu in his prayers he's revealing and Srila Prabhupada is revealing to us that we have to be conscious, right? We have to be in a mindful manner instead of an auto mode. Generally, people, they're just running on an auto mode. They're used to that conditioning and they're just running things without really being mindful. We have to be very mindful of every action because every action is being incited by the desire, the five factors we know of, right? The senses, the endeavor, the body, as well as the soul. And then finally, it's the super soul ultimately. Lord as Paramatma. So he is the one who is overseeing the meter And he says, Maya Dakshina of And he's the Krishna. He's the controller of the senses and the material energy working under his command. He's the conductor. Like, just like, it reminded me of a symphony. The conductor is driving, you know, which particular instrument should be playing at what instance. So our senses are like that. Those instruments that are being used, to convey the desire, but at the same time, the conductor is what driving it. Mm-hmm. And we are only, you know, the cause of our own happiness and distress. So We have to be very careful that when we seek to please Shri Krishna, the importance comes in, right? Mm-hmm. That we are so much thinking of ourselves, so this is what I have to do. We should also ask the question, how is this actually going to please Lashya Krishna? Is it the action or is there a better alternative? You, Krishna?
0: Thank you. You know, it's also, um, this verse reminds me. You know, I know it seems like ages ago that we studied the fourth chapter of this canto about the Hangsuduya prayers, Hangsuduya prayers. But do you remember there was that one verse um, that says that as the sense objects, right, uh, the form, taste, touch, smell, and sound cannot understand how our senses perceive them, right? So the conditioned soul although residing in the body along with the super soul, cannot understand how the supreme spiritual person, the master of the creation, directs his senses. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto that supreme person, supreme controller. So it reminded me of that um, from that Hang Sikguya prayer uh, chapter that we, we, we talked about that verse for some time. It's such an interesting concept that the sense objects can't Understand how they're being perceived. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, so no, no, no reason to try to rush the last verse, chapter, verse twenty-five that we were supposed to study today. Um, I, I was, I was thinking, Jeeva Prabhu, uh, you used the example of a conductor, and I can't, I can't remember the exact thing, but there's, um, you know, it said that a conductor like, always, what has his back. Towards the audience, right?
6: Yes, Pramo. all. That's sometimes a saying, isn't
0: it? Right, that you know you don't worry what everyone's thinking about you. Yes. You know, a man who wants to lead the orchestra uh, must turn his back on the audience. <laughs> and uh, it reminds me. Let me just uh, leave with one. Uh, There
6: is also a subtle aspect of conductor keeping the back towards the audience. What's that? Because it keeps the conductor focus on, and the conductor is basically looking at the success of the musicians who are in front, the symphony is of importance, right? So conductor, even though he's the leader, he's not looking for any name, fame and glories. His glories come when everyone else is successful
0: right very good yes and it reminds me and this is a, I think we can apply this very nicely to Krishna consciousness and, and even maybe what we were talking about very much at the right at the beginning of the class again about you know being really good about looking at our life and taking strong proactive stances to do something so this, uh, one of my favorite quotes this is from Theodore Roosevelt it's famous most of you probably know this It is not, and it's it's also tied in with the conductor having his back to the audience, right? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does not actually but who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends his time in worthy cause in a worthy cause, who at his best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the, mo- at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls, who know neither victory nor defeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that nice? So we should be bold in our Krishna consciousness and really don't give in to Maya and set up our life in such a way that we can conquer Maya. So thank you very much. I will send out the, uh, the uh, reading assignments again and uh, we will carry on on this chapter 16 and then only three more chapters until we are done with this canto. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hare, Krishna.
4: Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhupada. Hare
0: Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.